on your radio and I'm cold getting paid because Rick said so. I give no money to the person that names that tune. What that's from. Oh. <laughs> Yo, what's popping? is your man, Dean. Dean, Father Muckin, Edwards, the Father Muckin, Dean of Comedy. <laughs> that goes back a couple episodes. Uh, we in the building once again. Uh, Big Mike is here on the soundboards. Vessi is at large because, well, he got called back out to the Hamptons. And I really can't be mad as somebody going to get their paper. His, his show was so successful a couple weeks ago that they called him back to do it all again. Why not, man? Um, yo, and, and, and I'm back. I'm back from being at sea. You know, as, as always, y'all could, uh, you know, tell a friend about the Father Bucket Protocol. Please. We appreciate the support and the love. Shout out to All Things Comedy, uh, our network. Uh, go check out some of my, my network partners and buddies. My brother, uh, Sir Ian Edwards. He's a British Jamaican. He has the Soccer Rant Podcast, which I'm sure has had wonderful hits because the World Cup has been popping off. So, uh, oh, and a uh, quick... Uh, Quick, quick uh, side note. Sorry, Brazil. Damn. You know, you know there's some some drama going down when, when the boards light up on all facets of social media. I mean, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. People were people were making memes at the drop of a hat because, because Brazil was getting dusted. I don't even really watch football or soccer. Actually, I don't watch either, really, at all. But I cannot deny I did get into uh, the spirit of the season. People were into it. Um, and so, therefore, so was I. I w what I'm saying is I was a follower for the last month. Yeah, I said it. I followed people, and I was moved by the spirit to watch that round ball. And I have a whole new respect for uh, for soccer players, man. I, You know, I've never—I think— I think, especially in uh, the U.S., um, where I think we're coming around to appreciating soccer as a sport, especially because, um, and that's not to say that we don't, but I think on a whole, you know, we're very arrogant. <laughs> we're arrogant in, in the States, and we embrace that. We're cocky. You know, we, we look at the rest of the world. Yeah, uh, the rest of the world, you call it football, we're going to call it soccer. Because we have a different type of football that you throw and catch with your arms. But you do get to kick it every once in a while during the game. So, <clears throat> shout out to the soccer ramp. My man Ian Edwards, go check out his um, podcast. And also cop his, uh, his new album produced by Team Coco. 100% um, Half-Assed, which he named. He named it that because it took him 20-some-odd years to to drop an album appreciation to, to Conan O'Brien and and his team for saying you know this this guy deserves a shot and and Ian said he named it that because he feels like most of his career he's been that way when he should have you know really been more aggressive with things he was just sort of half assed one hundred percent of the time so check his joint out check out the champs with uh, my man uh, Neil Brennan and Moshi. Um, 
Uh, check out my man Brian Scalero. Funny dude. And then he has a, a different slant on, on the podcast, man. Uh, and a good good dude. Uh, Brian and I, we go back years, man. I We, we met back in the 90s. And, and, you know, he takes it back to that old Boston Comedy Club crew. Uh, special. We, we have a special bond because, um, as, as always, and I spoke about this a couple of episodes, man, when, when something tragic happens in, in the comedy community, regardless of how you feel of people, about people, everybody sort of bonds. And, and I'll never forget the, the night that Geraldo died. And you always, you on a side, you also can tell when a comic ha- has really made it, or when people respect them because you start referring to them by last name only, and and it's it's also almost like uh uh makes me feel like I'm back in the military. I always like uh I like hearing uh like Chris Rock, Rock, Rock. See, see, and I just did it like Rock because when I say Rock, and this is not to take away from Tony, but if I say Rock. Tony Rock, I'm going to say Tony Rock's full name. If I'm referring to his elder brother, the the legendary Chris Rock, I'm just going to say Rock. And then sometimes I got to uh, refer and people are like, well, which one? I'm like, well, I ain't talking about Kenny. Kenny's their younger brother. Uh, one of their younger brothers. The Rocks are coming up, man. They got they got a, a gang of them just like the Wayanses. That's the new move for, for comedy families in, in the new millennium. Uh, people's parents are like <laughs> pushing out babies and saying, all right, we're going to form, forget singing, we're going to do this comedy thing. So anyway, Scalero and I, we both were in L.A. Uh, the night that uh, word spread that uh, Geraldo um, had passed away, had died. And <clears throat> and we were, we were both doing the uh, Long Beach Laugh Factory. And after our sets... You know, we we both, you know, when we first saw each other, like, yo, Brian, what's up? He's like, hey, hey, Dean, what's up, man? It's good, good to see you. And uh, we kicked it for a little bit, and then he he said, yeah, you know, yeah, how about that uh that Geraldo thing? Because uh, you know, men, especially comics, we're we're we we don't. It's hard for us to sort of commiserate, you know, and and express our emotions. So you sort of just dive in, comic wise. Just yeah, how about that? It's so sort of nonchalant, almost non emotional. But there was a lot of emotion behind it. Uh, and and he was like, yeah, you know, how about that, Geraldo, man? You believe it? And I was like, yeah, man. And then we just, yo, we we both felt bad because we were in L.A. instead of in New York because. It's sort of the natural inclination, at least from from this side of things on, on the on the East Coast. Um, when when something something like that happens, you wish you were back in the watering hole, you know. So for for LA, the watering hole is is the comedy store, with hints at the um, at the improv and also the factory because. Each of these places also has sort of a, a hangout area for comics, but in New York, the the hangout spot is is the cellar, you know. And so we both felt felt bad that uh that we weren't out in in New York. This is uh this had uh, Mike just asked when was this? This geez, this has to be now about two, a little over two and a half years ago. I want to say that was in was that twenty. I think late 2011, like I, I feel like it was the fall of 2011 or 2012. I'm, and, you know, and this is this is how you know 
we're lo- losing too many comments because now I'm actually basing events. That's how you know you're getting old. That's how you know you're getting old when you start looking at things based on where you were when somebody died. You know, and so, you know, we have Geraldo, we have uh, uh, Mikey DiStefano, uh, Patrice, and then and, and, uh, Todd, and then, uh, you know, most recently, Uncle Jimmy Mack and uh, John, John Smooth, who um, he, was, he was a comic on the urban circuit. And yeah, man, so Scalero and I, we, we were just, uh, we, we, after our shows, we, we sat there for another, I don't know, 90 minutes, two hours while the rest of the show's going on, just talking and reminiscing. And, uh, and then I'll never forget at the end of it, when, when we were both, when it was time to go, he said, yeah, man, you know what, uh, you know, we weren't able to be out there, but I'm really glad we got to, you know, kick it and have this, have, have this at least, you know, and, and it was almost like, uh, unspoken because I felt the same exact way, you know. So go check out um, Brian's podcast as well. And as always, check out uh, the the imaginary producer this week, <laughs> Joseph Vesey. Uh, follow him at Joseph Vesey uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Check out his, uh, his, his podcast, The Callback. Um, oh, and you know, check out, he has a... He's been doing a lot of sketches with with uh I saw I saw the I saw the sketch with uh <laughs> I saw well I couldn't download while I was on the ship I couldn't download because damn internet the the satellite Wi-Fi was horrendous so um I wasn't even gonna attempt to but I I saw he had put up uh, the Charlemagne sketch and when I just got back actually when I was sitting in the airport I saw the sketch that he and uh. He and uh, Schultz did, um, and it's all about how shall I say, one a person letting a load off their mind. How's that? Did I did I say go go look for it? <laughs> it's funny, but it makes you feel so nasty after you watch it or as you're watching it. So check that out, man. Like I said, I was just um, I was just at sea for another for another two weeks and. Um, and you know what? I I I've totally crossed over. I I I was a cruise ship comic for two weeks. No, I was just, I was a comic, man. I've been be on a cruise, and um and I I had a blast, man. I I have a whole new respect for for not just the the entertainers on the ship, but just the the people on the ship, man. It's 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 amazing because some of these people are at sea for six and eight months, you know. Same ship. Um, I told them because it's a decent, it's a decent gig. The money's decent, and uh, I like how they, uh, I like how they run the comedy section of the uh, ship as well as well as the rest of the ship. I should say. Uh, I told them after doing it the first time. I said, "Listen, if you, uh, I or I told my agent, yeah, you know what." I'll do another. Sh- I'll do another cruise, but I only want to do this ship. And we we had my myself, uh, James Irvin Berry, the teddy bear of comedy. Uh, I hope he hears this because he knows how much I loathe that silly name. <laughs> He's the teddy bear of comedy, but he also he he now found out that I used to go by the Dina comedy, so we got this going thing going back and forth. But um, he hosted and um, my man Rodney uh Rodney Laney 
Um, he was the other headliner on the ships, and um, we we had the highest rated shows um, since that since this particular ship launched, and uh, they wound up inviting me back in September, I believe. So I'm gonna go back in September. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, shoot. Uh, if 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 you can go do do uh, a cruise versus doing doing seven to nine shows in a weekend and and. And and the shows here's here's what you have to understand like when I go on the road and, and I'm not I don't want anybody like oh you sell it out I'm not man but I I thought about it. I said you know what I go on the road like next week next week I'm uh I'm going to uh well actually by the time you all hear this I will be in Rochester right I'm coming to Rochester New York. Actually, the name of the, the town is called Webster, but it's in the greater Rochester area, western New York. I'll be at the Comedy Club July 17th through the 19th. So come on, check it out. We're, we're making sure we sell out a couple of these shows, man. Um, started my, my comedy career up there, so I'm looking forward to, you know, blasting off and wilding out and uh, got some some other surprises uh, I'm looking forward to knocking out out there. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, I go when I go up there, I'm doing what? One show, one show, Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday, which isn't bad. Uh, money's, money's decent, you know. I'll never complain about any money I earn doing comedy because uh, I it's been many years, but I remember working 40-hour weeks, so... <laughs> Even if I do an hour per night or per show, that's only five hours worth of work, and I'm still earning a, a great living. But working on the cruises, um, each like I do a total of, uh, I think seven shows in a week, and six of those shows are twenty to twenty-five minutes, and then one of those shows is fifteen to eighteen minutes. So. I'm working less than 200 minutes <laughs> a week and 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 getting to go to the go to the Caribbean. So, you know, who am I to say no? You know? Um but yeah, I uh, I I I have a whole new respect for the um the people that are away from their families. You have a lot of Filipinos, a lot of West Indians, that that come on these ships, say they work and and they send their money home, and then they get to go home, maybe a few times a year, you know. But uh, you know, it just it, it makes you appreciate what you have, even on the low end, and it also makes you realize there are a lot of lot of funky people out there. I'm talking to you, uh, average Joe, average Jill cruiser that doesn't know how to show people respect. That you want people to give them, and this is not for. Well, here's here's what I'm saying. The, the when you're on a cruise, right? They have um, like on this particular ship, they have a, a a eating area that's pretty much buffet style. And I guess what I noticed, especially after being on it last month and, and now this month, was that when people, you know get on board suddenly people have this this air of privilege around them where they feel they can do or say anything to the people that uh are working and it's acceptable i, I saw one woman one day she just walked up to this this guy he was working in um 
one of the restaurants. She's like, yeah, we're on a scavenger hunt. And I actually stood there, and he was looking like, uh, what do you want me to do? But he was polite, and he was like, oh, okay. She's like, yeah, no, I'm on a scavenger hunt, and I need, I don't know what she needed. But she was just talking to him. I said, you know what, first of all, engage him and say hi. Uh, they sent us up here on the scavenger hunt. Don't just come at him as he's he's holding a tray with 15 plates and silverware. Uh, you know, so I just, I, I was getting a little frustrated. I was getting frustrated with people just hopping in front of the line. The last day, the last day I'm there, I've been there, this is, each, each cruise is a week long. So the last day I'm there, I'm thinking to myself, okay, we've all been on here for six, seven days. We know the lay of the land. We know the routine. This, this, there's, a, there's an omelet station, and there's a line. I'm now at the front of the line. Um, as I get to the front of the line, I see people forming in front of me, giving the, oh, what's, what's going on here? Are people making omelets? I wonder, can I just, do I just meander into the line and I can just have an omelet? Bring me an omelet. You know, and, and after six, seven days, you expect that maybe the first two or three days. Even three days is, is, is a, a long length of time. But say, all right, in three days, maybe they don't get it yet. By day number seven, come on, man. Now you're just being disrespectful. We all want to get off this ship at this point. Don't, don't try to play me, man. And that's what you were trying to do. Oh, but you know what I did? I met one of the uh, conquistadors. Um, anyone that's into wrestling, WWE, I'm on stage one night. And, uh, and you know, I'm talking about uh, people getting older. So I look in the audience and I'm asking men their age. And it ties into a bit of mine. I'm like, yeah, how old are you? This guy says, uh, he's 42. I said, sure, how old are you? He says, oh, I'm 55. And then I look at this. This dude is a giant. I, I'm, I'm going to say this dude had to be six, seven, six, seven, and solid. He, he had to be at least 300. It's a big dude. So I'm like, oh, man, how old are you? He says, 17. I started laughing. I said, and the audience started laughing because we were like, "Oh, that, he, we got a smart aleck in the uh, in the audience." So I said, "Nah, man, for real. How how old are you?" He was like, "No, nah, I'm really, I'm really 17." Yo, but this dude stood up, stood up. I, you know, I look, I was like, "What do you, what, what do you snack on, people?" Which is an old old snap. But I was like, "Dude, you're a big dude." So I, I was like, "Where you?" Because I'm looking at his little brother and little sister, and they're they're tiny. No, no, the, the brother, little brother had to be probably 12. And he looked like a 12-year-old. Uh, the sister, she was probably like, I don't know, like 14. So I said, well, where are your parents? So then they say, right back here. And I see this big tan dude that I've been seeing all over the ship. And every time I see this dude, I think to myself, man, I need to, I need to work out, you know. More and I went to the gym a lot on the ship, but this dude really just made me mad that my working out isn't working out the way that his working out evidently has. And then, um, 
He had a shirt on and it says uh, WWE. I keep wanting to say WWF, but that's some wildlife foundation now. But when we were growing up, WWF meant pandemonium has broken loose. I'm Mean Gene Okerlund with, with the Hulkster brother. That's what WWF was when I was coming up. And so, um, yeah, man, this, uh, this dude, I said, yo, I said, uh, I said, you work for WWE? Uh, oh, are you a wrestler? He was like, yeah, actually, yeah, I am. All right, I was. So I said, oh, who, uh, who? Because you, now you do look. He's like, I was a king. You, are you familiar with the conquistador? I was like, yo! <laughs> son, I suddenly became a, I stopped the show. Yeah. Dude was on vacation with his family. They they uh, they uh, told me, gave me his, his, his info and said, next time I'm uh, doing Chicago improv to hit him up, you know? Uh, real, real cool. Real cool family, man. So that was uh that was cool. Saw what's the Brooke Burke? I saw Brooke Burke on the ship too. Um, from Dancing with the Stars and Skechers sneakers. I was uh walking one day, I was leaving the gym, and I see this woman smiling at me, and in my mind I was like, hi, you know. And then uh as she walked by, I was like, wait, I know, wait, that was that's the that's Brooke Burke. And then it turns out uh. I found out later on that she's one of the sort of ambassadors of the sh of the the ship or something, along with Pitbull and the uh, Miami Dolphin cheerleaders. Uh, and I guess Brooke Burke's husband is is equally uh, amazing looking because this is weird. I'm sitting at the bar one night. This guy comes up to me. He's like, "Oh man, you are you are amazing. You're amazing." As a you know, just out of the blue, he's like, "You are amazing, man. I really love that uh, that that one bit about the old guy in the band." Hey, you know, Brooke Burks is on the on the ship. Oh, I, um, yeah. I said actually, I passed her uh, at the gym. He was like, "Yeah, and you know what? Um, her wife or her, her her husband is 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 beautiful. He's a beautiful man." So I'm looking at the dude. I'm like, "Wait, you seem totally hetero. So this is weird." And he's like, no, 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 it's not even like that. It's just when I first saw her, I saw her walking with um, two or three kids. And I thought to myself, wow, that's a uh, pretty woman. And they have, um, she has a beautiful children. I wonder how, how uh, the husband looks. And then I saw the husband. I was like, holy, he's just as gorgeous as the wife. Super pause. I'm saying super, I'm saying super pause. You know what I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not saying super pause. I don't need to say pause. To me, pause, when you say pause, that adds a level of, of um, homophobia. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you're comfortable in your manhood or your, your sexuality or your womanhood, you don't have to, and you say something that someone might construe as making you sound homosexual, well, you, you you sound kind of foolish saying pause because your people know you. Whoever you're around knows you, so why would you say pause? You need to keep better company. I'm talking to all of you that are listening right now, all uh, 372 of y'all that listen every week. So yeah, man. So the cruise was cool. Met met a uh, met a, another couple of great comics. Uh, my man uh, Mark Klein out of Louisville, older cat. He does a lot of public uh, speaking, and um, and I forgot Andrew's last name. He's out of LA, and my man Patrick King. This dude, this is a funny dude. Y'all keep an eye out for him. Real funny cat. We had a lot of 
good convos he was hosting. And uh, I think my man Mark Riera and uh, Rodney are back on the ship. So shout out to them. And um, the band, man, can I just say, I want, I want everybody that's listening, do me a favor. Go look up uh, Grammy-nominated uh, singer Carolyn Malachi, M-A-L-A-C-H-I. Carolyn Malachi. On the ship, they have this thing called the Grammy Experience. This, uh, they have a, a lounge, sort of a jazz lounge called the Grammy Experience. And each, every couple of weeks, every night, actually, they have uh, the Grammy Experience where um, a musician, some sort of musician, whether it's a, a singer or a harmonica player or, uh, you know, a pianist, what have you. They, they've been nominated for Grammys. Some may or may not have won. And they bring them on. And I guess I, I learned on, on this last trip that the Grammys actually sponsor it, you know. Um, which actually makes sense. And, and it's nice to see because these might be people that are on the right on the fringes of, you know, really popping. Like, like uh, my first ship, I, I saw this dude which I mentioned previously, Sugar Blue. And this dude played a harmonica. And you can look at me, you can call the profile and what have you, but nobody's going to look at me and say, oh, he must dig harmonica. But yo, can I just say this dude is amazing. He had a, he, what is it called with the bullets? Bandolier? Uh, bandolier? Yeah, bandolier is like when you when you watch uh, Sylvester Stallone in the, in the I was going to say in the Rocky movies. If he wore those in Rocky, he he. He definitely would have beat Clubber Lang, but no. When when you see him in Rambo, he has the the bandolier of bullets across his chest. Uh, Sugar Blue had a bandolier with with uh, harmonicas in it, different harmonicas that he would he would take out for different songs. And he had a, a has a band, the house band. These are guys that they aren't his his band, obviously, because it's a house band. But these guys have to learn all of whatever artist is coming on music. And they have to learn it in a matter of days, you know, in a couple of days. So this last trip that I went on, I uh, I had the the pleasure of checking out and then going back and, and digging a couple of times. Um, Carolyn Malachi and and the the let, let me make sure I get the uh, get everyone's name right because we have. Um, Obviously, Carolyn, but then we also have my man Fabio, who's on drums. My boy Andrew, who's on guitar, who's incredible. My man Willie, which we call Will I Ever on on uh, Instagram, uh, <laughs> and uh, at Will underscore I underscore Ever with two R's, and my man Ryan, who's on keys. Yo, these dudes, they're damn. There's a, you know what, and I can't even describe how amazing it was, but every time I went to see them, they they took me to like some some unknown realm, man, and they they meshed so well together. And these aren't the dudes that work together. They all sort of were brought on to to form Voltron and and they learned. I, I was talking to Willie the day before I left, and he said, Yeah, man, uh, you know, my background is sort of gospel, so we have to learn music quickly anyway. So he learned her music in a matter of days. And and she puts on an incredible show. She has a, you know, you don't like comparing people, but just for descriptive purposes, I'd say if uh, if if Lauren Hill hybrided with Jill Scott, 
uh, Bilal with the slight jazz hue and uh, and you know even even part well I I, I want to say D'Angelo but he he's he plays and I don't know if she she plays any instruments but uh, damn who who uh, even a Mel Larue you know um, but definitely her own her own unique flavor she she. She has a jazz feel mixed with a hip hop and rap feel, and and just a straight R and B singer, man. And and what I dug about her performing, man, is that she like she makes eye contact. I love watching any performer I watch. I'm watch. I'm also I'm watching as a fan, but I'm also studying, and because I always feel like you can learn from different entertainers. And I was digging how she connected with every person in the audience, and some nights. Because there's so many things to do on 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 a cruise ship, and they definitely Norwegians going above and beyond to make sure that by the time you finish going on vacation, you need a vacation from your vacation because you have so many so many things to do at night. You have the Levity Live Comedy Club at Headliners. You have the Grammy Experience. You have uh, Legally Blonde. You have Burn the Floor. You have Family Feud, you, you know, so they just, and then like family, they do a, a version of Family Feud one night, they do Jeopardy, they have a, a getaway, a Dancing with the Stars, which which then made sense that they had Brooke Burke because, uh, yeah, so they have so many things just to keep people busy and it's a lot of fun, but so because of that, uh, you know, subsequently, the the Grammy experience was not as packed as you would expect it to be when you have you know such talented artists performing in there, man. So more often than not, you would see a lot of crew would would uh, come and hang out and just watch the show. And and my man Drew on guitar, he said to me more than once, "Yo, man, yo, we really appreciate you coming down." I said, "Nah, man, yo, I'm I'm, I'm coming down to support y'all, but also because I'm digging it, you know." And uh, and the last night I saw them, they did this sort of mashup during one of her songs. They did a mashup where they started playing the music from, uh, I think the song is called All Right. And uh, they did a mashup where they they started playing Busta Rhymes, Woo-ha! And it was dope. And I was like, oh, you know what I'm My head is bopping, my hands in the air. And then... They flipped it, and they started playing this this uh, JD, this J Dilla track, you know. JD for all the heads that remember him before he was Dilla. He was JD first. <laughs> That's for my Detroit heads, all my, all my Detroit players. Um, yeah, they started playing uh, this Dilla track, and she, she sang it over it, and then, then they just let it vibe for a second, and... Uh, then she said, and I, I'm I already lose my mind. And and my man Drew, because I was sitting up front, Drew looks at me and he sees I'm feeling it because my head is bopping. And uh and he he uh so she says, she says, she, um I I I I don't know if she said I'll give I'll give a hundred dollars, but she says, uh give love to anybody that can name this this obscure Dilla track. So I'm like, oh, I said. That's don't tell yourself to fall in love. And then I started singing. She puts the mic to some pretty little things you do. And I started singing it. And 
I already said to myself, I got to buy her CD, but she went back to the stage, grabbed the CD, and handed it to me. I want a CD. Oh, no. You know how people always say that? I never win anything. I, I, you, you know what? I want a CD that I was going to buy anyway. Sometimes life just works out the way you want it to. Done it. And uh, actually, I got by the time this is up, uh, I'll, I'll post a picture of it. So, yeah, y'all, y'all make sure you go and... Uh, Going, grab the sister CD. I got it in here somewhere. Um, I think it's called Gold. I I gotta I gotta look it up. Um, I got I gotta look up Carolyn Malachi's album, her album, her album. Um, so yeah, man, I I had a lot of fun on on this cruise, and I look forward to I guess returning. Um. I'm sure we'll be back sooner than later. This will be, I guess, September. I guess we're gonna have to record a bunch of uh, <laughs> a bunch of episodes and put them in the can, man. You know what I'm saying? Huh? I think I'm. Uh, they they wanted me for for four weeks, so like mid September to early October, I think. Um, four different yeah, four different cruises because because they go out every uh a week. Um, so yeah, go to go go look her up and, and find the name of her album because it escapes me right now. And um, you know one of the best things about the cruise, man, I got to get a nice little tan on. I got a little crispy. Can you by Mike's not? Can you tell that I'm darker? Be honest. No, no. That's, <laughs> and the reason I Mike said no, and, and the reason I asked that is because I don't think that white people realize that black people do tan. And the reason I say that is because. Every time I mentioned it on the ship, people laughed. I was like, "Nas, nice. I'm I'm serious. I got to I got to I I'm I'm black now." It was like I'm normally brown with a red red undertone, but I like you know what Mike did say, "But you do look different." But I was I got a haircut too. My skin does look a different color. Okay. No, 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 but no, but <laughs> That's funny. So Mike just said, you know what? I was wondering if you put something. <laughs> Pause. No, I was wondering if you put something on your skin because now I look probably a little more matted, right? Like, would, would you say matted? Yeah. yeah, I look matted because I have a darker, I have a dark, deeper tan. I have a deeper tan, but I, 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 I've been on this planet how long and I never really paid attention to the fact that... <laughs> White people don't realize that black people, t- <laughs> and we do, and that's and you know what? The reason we talk, we used to talk about it, is because people don't know. I'm not now. This is for any black person listening and saying, "Oh, come on, man, what's wrong with white people?" There's not something that's wrong with them. They, they people don't know because. Who normally is it? How do you ask a black person? How do you go up and say, um? So, uh, yeah, so uh, I noticed before that you had a, a slightly lighter hue uh, than before you went on vacation. And now I noticed that, you know, before you, you sort of had the color of a, a brown paper bag and now it's more a hefty bag. But, you know, I don't have a problem. I feel like people need to open up and and ask more questions because that's how we get a better understanding of of one another. You know? No? Anyone? Nothing? Of course. 
Well, skin is skin. Yeah. As in the words of my man, Big Mike Biono, he said, it makes sense now. Skin is skin. And the UV rays affect everyone the same way. Now, what, what happens is because um, people of color have more melanin. And so it's, it doesn't... It doesn't uh, Affect us like like do you tan, Mike? Do you like do you do you now do you tan because I've here's what I've noticed. There's there's olive tan, there's a tan where you become more golden, and there's a tan where you become red. Like white white people, I should say. Now, do you tan look this is turned into an interview. So uh Michael, uh a Michael <laughs> I told Mike, I said, <laughs> this is so, dude, now, that, that's what I'm, now, is it, is it racist to ask someone, have you ever had anyone Asian say your name, Michael, and say like, hello, Michael, because I know, I, I have, I, I know um, Chinese and Japanese, I've had Chinese and Japanese and Korean people in my life that the, the R, or the L becomes an R, you know? So I'm curious if people think that's racist. I, I don't think things are... Race, to me, racism has to do with power, you know? There are preconceived notions, there's prejudice, there's institutionalized prejudice, and then there are just questions that no one asks because we are very PC. So, Mike, Michael, back to the question, do you tan... Because you're Italian, yeah? You're Italian. Do you tan golden or do you tan red? You, you oh, okay. You're not. You're part Italian. So you saw. Okay. So he's in the middle. So so so. Said instead, not orange, not pink. Sort of beige. I'm sort of beige. So there we learn. We we learned something new today. This has been Dean's Dean Edwards for the Mucking Protocol uh, entrance into the the racist canon to find out. No, I'm just playing. We we just want to. I I like asking people questions. They sometimes may seem uncomfortable, but I think that we need to ask each other more questions to gain a better understanding. Yes, we tan, and yes, uh, Michael tans beige. And the reason, you know, what? because when I was uh, when I was born, I was I was white. I was actually I was your I was Mike's complexion, man. I was I was I was translucent. You're not translucent, but I'm saying I was pale. And a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, I can tell because I have a joke where I talk about that. And a lot of people don't realize that black children um, come out undercooked. You know, not all, not all, but a lot of us do. And and, and it's funny because looking at me, I'm the last person. Like the different hues of of uh, of uh, of black people, you know. Uh, there's there's what we call blue ba blue black, you know. Yeah, no, but see, and now Mike Mike is saying this is interesting because I knew that he probably never heard of of the different hues of black people. The same way with Italians, there are different hues of, of Italians, and you can probably look at some Italians. You can look at some people and say, oh, I know he's Italian. I know she's Italian. Uh, because they, they're sort of, and especially nowadays, um, I find that people are, I heard this term used uh, on someone uh, in the last year or so, uh, ethnically ambiguous. Where, <laughs> and to me, to me, 
ethnically ambiguous is is sort of the the new term for when you don't know exactly what someone is. You know, you're like like so, like if you look at Beyonce on a lot of on a lot of magazine covers, a lot of people. I mean, you know she's black, but a lot of people, you you can see a picture of her and someone might put a picture of Shakira up, and you couldn't necessarily tell. The difference. You, I mean, obviously they they have physical features, but as far as the the hair color, the or the, or the the wig weave, what have you, whatever you want to call it, the the blonde locks, uh, the gold skin, uh, and some people do the contacts now. I'm not saying either of them do. So we live in an era of of ethnic ambigu- ambiguity, and so with with for instance with black people, we have a lot of different shades. So. Uh, like my, huh? I said blue black. Blue black is when somebody is like oil. Like when, when, like, uh, when you think Wesley Snipes. Like, oh, like you can look, like you can look at, say, a Wesley Snipes versus, say, a Will Smith and President Obama. Like, like they, they should actually, (laughs) they should have that when, when you, uh, when you go to give, because you know they always have, um, <laughs> they have uh, these composite drawings on the news, or when you go to uh, describe an assailant in in a in a crime or what have, they should they should have a, a color chart, and you can say, okay, nah, is, is he more Wesley Snipes or more uh, Will Smith? Is he more Chris Brown or Lil Wayne? You know, and the same thing with with uh, with white people is is he more now when you say Italian is he is he uh, Pacino Italian or De Niro Italian? You know, but that's that's and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think because there are differences, there are a lot of differences in in how people look. So like my complexion definitely different than my kids and my wife's complexion. Uh, different than my my sister's complexion, you know. My brother's a little lighter. I'm I'm the dark. I'm the black sheep of the family. And dark skinned dudes, and I talk about this on stage from time to time. Dark skinned dudes didn't come in style until Wesley Snipes. That's why. I, no, let, listen, listen. Let, let's we can be real. Right? Yeah, listen. Here, here's and when I say in style, here's what I mean. Uh, when I was coming up, man, dark. When I was coming up in the the, I say the late seventies into the eighties. Really, the eighties. That's when I really had my my formative years. And if you didn't like Michael Jackson, Michael. My, but here's the thing. But he did count back then because this is this is before MJ had totally transitioned. To uh, like bad was when when you were like, all right, this this dude. Because I remember when I first saw the poster for bad, I thought he was Janet. You know, <laughs> I I'm not even lying. I was like, yo, Janet got taller. Where the booty go? But uh, <clears throat> but when MJ first came out, if you look at Michael Jackson off the wall, rock with you. Not even not even a rock with you because rock with you. He had he had the the the. Cali uh, curl. He had the California. I think they called it the California curl back then. This is before it was before fully Jerry curl. It, was, it still had it still had an Afro feel, but it was just curly and wet. 
you know, the Jerry Jerry for Jerry curl to me is when you had the had the slick back with the pompadour moisture hanging down, you know. Um, the California curl was when it was still an afro shape and it was round but curly and shiny, like like when uh, like when the Jacksons went on on the victory tour in around eighty three eighty four. Some of them had the Jerry curl. They all probably had Jerry curls, but a lot of the Jerry curls that they had looked like looked like California curls because they were just round afros. It's like they took these big blowout afros and said, "I right, just curl it," and so they were still round. Uh, Mike was the one that said, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it back and then have something on the front dangling." So, uh, another pause, perhaps. No, so. Uh, so you look at Mike on off, on the album cover of Off the Wall. He had this big blowout. Still had a big had that big that big Karis one nose. You know what I mean? Like he had like Mike had that nose. <laughs> like if you had that nose and and you went to a party and people had cocaine, people would be like, hide the cocaine. He, he gonna sniff it all, you know. And then by Thrill, he had a little thinner nose, <clears throat> and his skin was was light. And that's sort of the era I came up in where. I remember a girl saying to me, why are you so black? And she was talking to me. She was the same complexion as me. And she was like, damn, why, why are you black? Greasy. She called me a greasy monkey, Mike. Greasy monkey? Because back in the days, this is before we had all these, all these exotic versions of, of lotion. So back in the days, we just had... Vaseline. That's what you had back in the days. Vaseline. And if your moms didn't have enough money to get the name brand, you just had a big vat of petroleum jelly. And you'd go outside and, you know, East Coast winter, you greased up before you went outside. So I'm outside shining. <laughs> I'm outside. I'm looking. I'm dark and shiny. I look like patent leather. People coming up to me trying to look at their reflection to fix, the, fix their hair and whatnot. You know, and, and and this girl used to pass her every day to school. And now, like, in retrospect, I'm like, oh, she probably had a crush on me. That's how I'm going with it, because she spoke to me every day. But every day, dang, you black. Dang, you black. And she said, I'll never forget, she said it with that, with that growl. Of, you, why are you so black? Greasy monkey. But back then, I'll be, my feelings are, I don't care. I don't like you anyway. Tina, so uh, yeah, Mike's Mike Mike is incredulous. He's like, I cannot believe that this was my life, man. And and I was a popular kid. I had friends. I yes, every no no. I'm not. But but this is this is Mike just said. I didn't know black people insulted each other the same way that I guarantee in an all Italian neighborhood they have they're sort of an internal. Uh, strife. I don't know. Like, what? What would you say? Like, uh, growing up, at, you know, partially Italian, around other Italians that that other Italians uh, can insult you with. That if you heard somebody else, like if if a white cat said to me, "Greasy monkey," everybody would stop. Right. You know, Al Sharpton was suddenly. What we need to do, we can't stop and stand by and have people, but. You know, somebody else black calls me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. Then. You know. So, what would you say, Mike? Uh, like, give me one uh, Italian insult. It doesn't have to be major, but something that you could say that if anybody else that wasn't Italian said it, people would have have a, a serious problem with it. 
Look, look, he's, he's, he's laughing right now. That means, did you have any, did, did anybody in Italian insult you? Like, was it more just the, the, the what, what, what would, like, give me one thing somebody called you, if you don't mind. Greasy? Okay, so boom. So we're, we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. So they called Italians with the slick back hair. Guidos. So, okay. See, and these are things. Now, see. So, so, so we're, we're getting somewhere. Mike is saying that when he was coming up, people, if you had your hair slicked back, hey, greasy, you hey, guido. And I, here's what's funny. I remember when we moved up to uh, Yorktown. I, I remember when the guidos started sort of getting, uh, damn, what was it? Vinny, damn. We used to break there. He was a cool dude, too. Is it Vinny, Vinny Montesino? Damn. Anybody that went to Lakeland High School in 84, get at me. Because uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Vinny. Cool. This is like the coolest Italian cat, man. Vinny Montesino, I think. And, and uh, But we used to call, like, all these dudes. He used to break dance with us. He's a real cool cat. And uh, all the Italian dudes, when they started rocking the, the 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 gold chains and the slick back hair, they were the Guidos. But they wore it like a badge of honor. They didn't get offended by it. Or, we, or better yet, we didn't know that they got offended by it. Um, and I, I never knew Guido was, was an offensive term until you saying it right now. So so that's so see, see people, here's what we, we need to talk more. Communication is key, don't you think? So yeah, I was a, a dude. Hey, I was, I was, I was, I was black and greasy. Uh, and this was a girl saying it, so that made it worse. You're already insecure. You're already insecure anyway. And I wasn't necessarily paying attention to girls, but I knew they were aware. I'll never forget this girl. Her name was uh it was Mia or Tia. She had little pigtails. And to this day, when Rock With You comes on, uh, she pops in my mind because she she had she had hazel eyes. You know, you you uh, light skinned girl with long hair, long pigtails, and hazel eyes back in back in uh, nineteen eighty one. Everybody was trying to get at you. You think they were trying to get at the greasy monkey? No. You know what? But it beca- I I become became very informed because right around this time, this is probably like I don't know, um, it's elementary school. I'll, I'll never forget. Because people to this day will say, wow, you have, like, when I go, like, get a, a manicure, a pedicure, um, people, you, like, all of the, all the women in the shop, oh, you have a, you have a soft skin, you have such soft skin. And then they form around me and, oh, you have, oh, feel feel the soft skin. And I remember this girl, I don't know if it was Tanya, I think her name might have been Toya, Toya or Tanya. And my memory stinks, y'all, y'all know that. So, uh. Hashtag memory stinks. So uh, I remember she was walking past and happened to bump into me and felt my skin. And she's like, oh, she's like, oh, Dean, you got you got soft skin. And then then she's like, oh, uh, Nia, come here and feel these skin. And then like all these girls came over and were feeling, oh, mm-hmm, oh, he got soft skin. And in my mind, I was like, oh, shoot, this women like like dudes with soft skin. <laughs> So I became that dude. I ain't go front. I was, after I heard that, and I also heard around that time, uh, he has such pretty teeth. 
my my aunt, my tante used to always say that. He has such a pretty smile. And then like adults, like adult women always used to say that. He has such a handsome smile. He has such pretty teeth. And you know, you know when somebody tells you you have nice teeth, you feel you feel like a horse. Like, yeah, well, thank you. You, you start smiling. Turn into donkey. Yes, I, you know, I appreciate you liking my uh my my teepas. Um, so I said, all right, you know what? Women like guys, women like smooth skin and nice teeth. So I started, I said, you know what, if nothing else, I may wind up bufferilla. I may look terrible when I get older. Honestly, I ain't gonna front y'all. I never thought I would. I, I, I always thought I was a decent looking dude. Um but I said, if if all doesn't go right, and somehow you know my 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 dashing handsome turn, no, if, if somehow my looks you know turn out wrong or, or what have you, I'ma still have some smooth skin and nice teeth, you know. And so to this day, I make sure I brush. I need to floss a little more often, but I brush and and. and I service my skin properly. Shout out to Avino uh, because, you know, <laughs> that's where I become very anal. I use, I, I had a dermatologist, Dr. Simmons. She was amazing. She she was an African-American, or still probably is, African-American dermatologist. And I met her in uh, like 2001. And uh, she she had, yeah, she actually had a lot of her ads when, when, when her practice was open. It was up on uh, West 96th near Central Park. And uh, I remember she had like Ashanti and a bunch of like other celebrities. I would see their headshots in there, um, in her office. And she she told me what what products to use. And to this day, I still, I use the oil control uh, lotion from Vito and, and uh, uh, the foaming cleansing wash for the face, you know, and, and the lotion. And, and I use their... their um, Vino, the Vino lotion with a uh, colloidal oatmeal, which is weird. I, was, I remember I saw it. I was like, "Why? Why is it oatmeal? Can I eat this lotion?" <clears throat> yeah, something about oatmeal. Oh, yeah, something. It's something. It's something in the oats. So, so what have we learned today? Um, well, we learned that I was a greasy monkey. The <laughs> greasy monkey. Damn you, shiny. Why are you so black? <laughs> I want everybody that listens to tag. <laughs> I want everybody to, huh? Why are you so black? Look, when somebody say why are you so black, I'm like, cause my mother is, and I was in the sun. There's no retort. There's no good retort. You can't, cause you know, especially when kids are snapping, you can't go go with logic. If somebody's like, yeah, that's why you you so fat when you jump when you jump jump you get stuck in the air. You know, you can't say, oh, it's it's actually because I I um uh, you know I have a a, a glandular pr problem that kind of ruins the 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 mode and moment. So you just kind of took it. I remember, you don't want to hear what uh I remember my boy. Charles Zaffadino said something to one of the girls. Dark, dark skin cats just got a bad rap back in the days, man. I remember dark skin sister Zaffadino said, "Yeah, she black. She's so black. She got she got roaches in her pussy." <laughs> and because that's what kids do. And it, it just you know what? And that's funny. <laughs> Mike said, because they hide in the dark. You know what? I wish I could say a 10-year-old thought that far ahead. He was just saying it because she was darker 
and wasn't as pretty as, as the light skin chick. And so that's the thing. So a lot of dark skin cats, we didn't really, we didn't have a real representative in the 80s. Everybody that was a sex symbol for the most part uh, was, was light skinned, you know, uh, or lighter skinned than say a Cicely Tyson, who who at one point was a model, or Grace Jones in the 70s, you know. Um, Beverly Johnson was was not a light-skinned woman. This this is like I think one of the one of the first supermodels. She was the first black woman to grace the cover of damn it. I'm I'm forgetting. One of the one of the big magazines. Somebody, somebody that uh that finds out you can you can uh tweet me at IMD Networks for the answer. I'll I'll Google it after I'm done. Um but uh, in the, yeah, in the eighties, you know, women, women, and men became lighter, and and that became sort of the societal norm in Hollywood, you know. So, uh, um, you know, like I guess Eddie Murphy was was one of the first dark skin superstar act actors, but for the most part, wasn't nobody paying attention to dark skin dudes, and then. Around the early '90s, and I'm, I'm never, I've, there was a there was a seismic shift, and I felt it because I reaped the benefits of it uh, in my college years. Um, suddenly, Wesley Snipes with with New Jack City. Actually, Wesley Snipes. Um, I remember Wesley Snipes in the bad video. You ain't down. You ain't bad. You ain't bad. You ain't bad. You ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. Now think about this, people. Can we can we go back in time? You see Wesley Snipes in in a in an empty, deserted uh, subway station late at night, and you see Michael Jackson, <laughs> and you see they're about to get into a fight. Who you think going? Who you gonna put your money on? Who you gonna put your money on? The dude that you ain't down, you ain't bad, you ain't bad, or the dude that's going? You ain't bad, you ain't nothing, you ain't nothing. But you know what Mike had? Dancers. That's why he won. Because he had 50 dudes ready to pounce down on that greasy monkey. <laughs> so, yeah, Wesley Snipes, when, uh, when New Jack City came out, you were like, yo, Nino Brown is, is gangster. This dude is gully, you know, and he had a weird haircut and nobody said anything about it. And you were like, yo, I guess, I guess this is the new dude. And then at the same time, you had Michael Jordan um, was a dark skin brother, you know, taking over the NBA, you know, taking, taking the mantle from uh, 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 Larry Bird. Who doesn't get it. Listen, it doesn't get any whiter <laughs> Then Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, who who was uh, who also is a lot of people won't say he's light skinned. See, for me, I grew up as a greasy monkey, so everybody that was lighter than me was light skinned. But as I got older, people people have corrected me and said, "Well, nah, Magic's more more brown skin, brown complexion, complected." So I'm like, "All right," but they were all those dudes were, were a lot lot. A lot creamier than Jordan. Jordan took it even one step further. He said, you know what? And I'm I'm not only going to be black, I'm going to rock my balls. I'm going to wear my shorts a little longer, you know? And so, <clears throat> so I think there was definitely a change in the mood. And people became, I won't say more accepting, but people recognized more options. And so it was cool. And then Wesley 
it didn't hurt that Wesley Snipes was also like this this um this black belt and this martial artist and uh, and uh, became an action hero, you know, and so and suddenly people saw, uh, you know, the greasy the greasy monkey chest, you know, <laughs> with the greasy monkey muscles, you know, huh? Always bet that's where it came from. That's Wesley Snipes. Always bet on black. And and you know what? And I miss Wesley Snipes, man. I you know I know he had uh, issues with the uh, with taxes. Uh, just decide he wasn't going to pay. You know, leave it to Wesley, leave it to Blade to say, nah, you know, I, you know, I don't really, I, I don't really need to pay. I don't feel like I want to pay taxes. All right, all right. Uh, well, no, you ain't, you ain't a greasy monkey. You let me show you, nigga. Let's show you what we do to greasy monkeys that don't pay their taxes. And notice I said, I didn't, I said mecca with an M so that y'all could go back and listen like three times. Rewind, go ahead, rewind. I'll wait. I'm still waiting. I'm waiting right now. I want you to go. No, no. I want you to go back, rewind it, and see if I said it. Huh? Well, guess what? I could say it even if I didn't say it. I could say it because uh, the same way Mike could say Guido, even though I just said Guido and I'm saying it again. See what I'm doing? I'm getting away with saying Guido because it's in the context, though. Um, so, yeah, man. So, so Darcy and Dudes finally came in style. And I was able to get a date. That's, that's what this was really all about. Me just explaining that I wanted to be able to go on a date uh, for myself. So, yes, you've learned a couple of things this week. You know, and that's what we do on the For the Market Protocol, man. We bring things to the forefront. You didn't know, no, of y'all didn't know that Guido was an offensive term. Maybe now you'll think about that next time you want to say something about anyone from the Jersey Shore. Huh? Next time you watch The Outsiders, a classic movie. That was Coppola. Well, classic, nigga, you had the socias and the greasers. Maybe you'll think about that before you judge them. Because Pony Boy, he was a greaser, but then he became a blonde greaser. And so suddenly he was okay. But you see, you see, they they even they said, here, let's lighten up his hair. It's always the it's always that 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 lightning, man. And even now, like now in the modern era, a lot of people get offended when uh they see like a uh Rihanna or Beyonce on on uh, magazine covers because sometimes they they the the editors of these magazines have been known to lighten their skin to sell uh, to sell copies because they want to keep their sales ethnically ambiguous. So that's today's power phrase: hashtag ethnically ambiguous. I give you all. Uh, anyone that's listening, I give you the opportunity to joke with me um, because I know it's just joke. Just make sure you say LOL or whatever. But you can hashtag Greasy Monkey. <laughs> Should we do Greasy with a Z? Or Yeah, you got to do hashtag G-R-E-A-Z-Y Monkey. <laughs> oh, man, I've had fun with y'all this week, man. Once again, like I said, y'all can come check me out. I'm at uh, the Comedy Club in Rochester. All my Rochester people, come on out, man. It's, it's sort of like a homecoming for me because this is where I first started uh, started my comedy career, man. So some 20, 22 years ago, way back in my youth, I was a little boy. But this was that was right around when I was no longer a greasy monkey and I was cool. I was cool. So, yeah, man, uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at IMDNEdwards. 
Uh, we're working on the fan page on uh, Facebook because I'm, I'm over the 5K limit. Um, you know, we're re revamping DeanEdwards.net. So y'all keep an eye out for that. Uh, follow my man Vessi at Joseph Vessi. Um, check out the callback. Shout out to our people at All Things Comedy. Also, big up uh, SoundCloud. Any of uh, y'all can listen to this on SoundCloud, uh, All Things Comedy, or iTunes. And if you do, um, please tell a friend. Make sure you tell your friend to comment, rate, and keep supporting the Father Muckin' Movement. That's for anybody listening a couple weeks ago about the movement. You know how I feel about that phrase. But, uh, yeah, man, just uh, I appreciate the support and the love, man. Love y'all. And we'll catch y'all next week. Two fingers. Peasy.